I'm next week. Well, we are finishing up the, the end series. We've been looking at being in Christ. We've covered the first four weeks of this, and we're closing it up today. We have by no means, by no means done an exhaustive study of what it means to be in Christ. We have hit the high point. I dare you to just start reading through the epistles and just start underlining everywhere it says in Christ. I'm telling you, you're going to just, your Ephesians is just going to be all marked up. Colossians. Corinthian, both of the Corinthians, just going to be all marked up because they're so rich about being in Christ. And uh, but we're just we have to at some point move on. And this is this is the last one. We've launched with this phrase, and I've wanted this rumbling around in you this whole time. So every week, you're like, man, don't aren't you creative at all, Brandon? This is the same phrase every time. But I, I know I'm not creative. So here we go. Understanding our position in Christ completely determines how we interact with God. I'm telling you, that's why we're going over this. If you don't recognize your position in Christ, you are going to approach God and deal with God all the wrong way. You're going to try to earn his love. You're going to, every time you make a little mistake, you're going to feel like you're totally out of God's graces and his love. All the condemnation that the enemy, because we have one, is going to come and try to pour this mess on you, and you're going to buy it hook, line, and sinker if you don't understand what it means to be in Christ. And we have covered a whole lot of that. But ultimately, we understand and we have this sense that our sin issue needs to be dealt with when we're outside of Christ. Because it does. There's not, nothing can do it. We can't be good enough. We can't do, we can't, we can't do it. And so this thing within our hearts is screaming that we need a Savior. And then once we're over here and we're in Christ, it's dealt with. I don't care how horrible you've been or how humanly good you've been. All of our gaps are fully made up in Christ. We are completely 100% righteous in Christ. He is our righteousness. He makes us right with God. And we have to remember and understand that. And once we understand that God has created a place for us in Christ, we, <clears throat> then we must stay there. And that's what we're looking at today. We've got all this good stuff in us about what it means to be in Christ. Now, we've got to make sure we stay in that place. Let's not slip out and, and start trusting in something other than Christ alone. Because staying is, is so vital. Like when you, you get a dog, that dog becomes yours. It's your dog. But sometimes it takes a little while for the dog to realize it's your dog. Sometimes that dog wants to get out and go find out and see if maybe it belongs somewhere else. But when it's your dog, it immediately, that is, that's yours. It belongs to you. And when people begin to train their dog, one of the first tricks they teach it, it's not necessarily a trick, it's something this dog needs, is to stay. They begin to teach it, stay, stay. And then you have all these people who show how self-controlled all these dogs are. It's almost cruel. You know, they stick a wiener on its nose and just make it sit there and you just see it twitching. And, it's just, and then finally they release it and it whoom, just eats it in one gulp. And these dogs are just well-trained and they just can obey. But ultimately, we want it to stay. As I'm not overly into dog training, and if any of y'all have met my dogs, you would know that. And... Um, but I saw some show about dog training and whatnot that, uh, you know, that they say that, you know, a, a dog, when it's really, really is committed to you and knows and it, it loves you, then 
it doesn't want to run away. You know your dog is really connected with you when it can have the, the freedom to run away and doesn't. Well, growing up, our dogs obviously didn't love us. We loved our dogs, and our dogs did not love us in return. We, especially this one dog named Bogey, because I'm telling you, you had to watch the front door like crazy. Because if Bogey is this little Lhasa Opso, he really wasn't, a, he was a big Lhasa Opso for losses. And I'm telling you, that dog would just take off, and he would just be gone. He learned to where he could hit the glass door and just shoot and just leave. And I would have to chase this dog for blocks. And I knew every time I went after this dog and to get it that I was going to get bit. This dog did not come home without a fight. I got bit every time. And I just had to know, okay, I'm going into this thing and this dog's going to bite me. And I'd sit there and people would have to think I was the worst dog on. I'm like 12 years old and I finally get this dog. And I just beat this dog all the way home spanking that dog that dumb dog bit me that's probably why it ran away all the time but and it probably why it bit me you know as soon as the guy he's gonna spank me he's gonna whoop me up one side and down the other but uh that that was obviously it didn't feel loved and wanted like it need to and he, that dog would run away and leave but somehow our our dogs we have now they obviously they they either they don't know something but or they just love us like crazy because our dogs will get out, and we'll come home, and there they are sitting on the porch. And we can have the door wide open, and we can be out there, and we don't need a leash. The dogs just sit on the porch, and they won't leave the porch unless we say, you can leave the porch. And they're just happy as can be. And ultimately, they, they, there's nothing holding them back. They could run away, but they don't run away. See, Christ, if, if it only stays whenever it's inbound, then that dog is, or whatever it is, is really a prisoner. See, God did not want prisoners. That's why we have to have the freedom to be able to choose to come to him or not come to him. A love relationship is based on a mutual choosing. And the freedom to not choose is what determines love. I keep loving because I keep choosing. And that is what is so alive in Christ. And that is what is so amazing. And why people don't get it. Because they think that people are going to stay if we give them the freedom and say, well, you get out. You quit doing this and, and all this Christian stuff, and you're, you're just not saved anymore. Well, if we tell them that they're alive in Christ, and if they sin, God, God still loves them, and, and they're righteous in Christ, well, we're just going to let them sin all they want. If we give them this freedom, they're just going to run away. We've got to keep them on a tight leash. Well, God didn't create us that way. Yes, he's still done, he's, sin is still wrong, and it's still destructive in our lives. And it can create friction in our relationship with God, but it doesn't sever our relationship with God anymore. We are... We are connected to God in Christ, alive in Christ, and in Christ alone. And we have to choose to stay in that place. First John 2, 25 through 28 says, And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about, <clears throat> about those who are trying to lead you astray. These had embraced, they understood what it meant to be in Christ, and there are these pressures of life, these people even who are trying to lead them astray and get them bound back up into working for this relationship with god he says but as for you the anointing you received from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you but as his anointing teaches you about all things and as that anointing is real that anointing it's a churchy word you don't hear that anywhere else other than church 
But that, that's ultimately, it's God's, God's grace and power. It's, and it is, it is his, his mark on us. It's not counterfeit. Just that it has been taught you, remain in him. And now, dear, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. This is something we're, we're supposed to walk in. This is something that is a blessing to us as we remain in Christ. That is someplace we have to choose. He remains in us and we ought to then remain back in him. Him and us and us and him. We understand we can have a glass of water on the counter and have water all inside it. But when it's in the sink, it's getting washed. Not only is there water in it, but it's all consumed with water. Ultimately, that's where we want to be, where we are it's filled within and filled without, where we remain in Christ. And as we're going to truck through this, we've got a few truths here that we see in the Scripture. This is, again, not a cumulative, exhaustive study. But these are some things that really help me, and I, I think that they'll help you as well. These truths out of the Scripture that help us to stay focused on what it means to be in Christ. And one of the first ones you have to do is you have to consider yourself alive in christ you have to do it it is a choice remember the the kind of the hinge pin truth as i've set before you life and death blessing and cursing and you choose and it's just, oh, choose life choose life we have to consider we have to make a decision we have to reckon that that is where our life is that we are alive in christ romans six eleven says in the same way count yourselves or consider yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, does that mean that all of a sudden the, the, the sin habits that we get in the, in the routine of that we can so naturally fall into, does that mean that they just are all of a sudden gone and there's not a battle there? No. But that we can, all of a sudden, that we, we have to walk that out. We train our soul to live in the righteousness that we already have. We train our mind, will, and emotions to operate in that. But in the righteousness... We already have in Christ. Now, we understand this because last week we celebrated July 4th, right? Now, July 4th was when we declared, when we considered ourselves no longer under the rule of England and King George. That's when we made the decision. All of a sudden, the war actually ended all this time later. Anybody tell me when the war was over? Anybody? Anybody tell me the year? No. It's 81, 1781. October the 19th, 1781. Now, why do we not celebrate that? Why do we not pop fireworks on the day that Cornwallis finally surrendered and we were done? Because we don't count ourselves free there. We count ourselves free when we decided we were free. That's when, that's when we celebrate now, was a five-year war to live that out follow? Yeah. But what we celebrate is the day we choose. That's when our nation was birthed. It's when we said we consider ourselves free. When we finally consider ourselves alive in Christ, that is when we are alive in him. As we have embraced that. Now, will some, some personal struggle and, and learning to operate in this new life take place? Afterwards, absolutely. But we don't go, oh, I'm finally, finally dealt with all my issues. I'm finally alive in Christ. No, because none of us have 
made it there yet. It happens way back then, and we have to remember that. When we have all these struggles, we go, no, 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 it's happened back there. I marked that date. That's where it was, and I'm just, I'm just still learning to walk this thing out. Ephesians 1.13 says, You also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Now, I'm just giving you a heads up. In a couple of weeks, that's, we're going to launch a series on looking at the Holy Spirit and learning about the Holy Spirit. And that's going to be our next series. But God marked us with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Then the next one we have to do is be active in sharing your faith. This one helps keep us grounded in that place. Now this isn't this thing of, of witnessing because we have this heavy load or any of this stuff. This is just what God is doing in your life. Just let it out. Just, just share it. Just be open about it. Philemon 1.6 says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. As we talk about it, it is amazing, amazing, as you engage in these discussions, how the Holy Spirit begins to bring truths out. Anybody besides me ever sit there and be, wish you could take notes as you were talking about what God's been doing in your life because the Holy Spirit begins to show you things even at, and you're like, whoa, that's amazing. It wasn't even like I premeditated and had this. It was just this was alive. And as I'm going and letting this out of me and I'm not keeping it all bushled up, it's like it got oxygen on this flame and, and it grew. All of a sudden, this, this truth became alive in me. It works that way. But as we, if we squelch it, if we squelch it, it begins to diminish. 1 Corinthians 1.31 says, Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Most of our conversation is some kind of boasting. Most of it is. You know, if somebody's going to talk about their, their team. You know, their, their, their football team, their basketball team, their baseball team. Their, their, they got this little boast in this. Somebody had a, had a really bad day at work and they're going to share that. That's this little boast about how horrible your day is. And, and we know it's boasting because a lot of times the other person begins to one-up and say, Oh, you know, my day was worse. You know, you think you had a bad day. Well, I'm, I'm going to share with you my bad day. And, and then it becomes this little outdo contest. And really, a whole lot of our casual conversation is some kind of, of, of boasting. It's some kind of, I want to share this with you. And it's not always prideful, but it's something I think you would be interested in. And I, I want to share this with you. And ultimately, if that is there, this truth says, if we're going to do that, just do it about God. Do it about God. Do it about the things that God's doing in your heart. And you know, and if it's been a while since in a casual conversation, what the things God has done in your life has come up, you may want to ask yourself, why? Why is some of this stuff not naturally coming out in my conversations? Am I ashamed? You know, why am I holding this thing back? And as we, because as we share it, I'm telling you, it's something that just really blesses our lives. I'm about to be a, a part, that's why I'm out next weekend, is I'm the spiritual director for a thing called Chrysalis, which is a, a youth part of the Walk to Emmaus. And I don't know if any of y'all have been involved in that. It's, it's a really cool uh, ministry. 
and I'm, gonna, I'm the spiritual director for the, for the flight this weekend. And there'll be all sorts of people who've paid a good chunk of money, given up lots of weekends in preparation simply to serve these teenagers. And over and over again, these teens are going to be impacted. They just are. It is incredible to watch what God does in the lives of these young men. It is just amazing. What's even more incredible is to watch what God does in the lives of these people who are sharing and are serving and are taking what God did in their own life through some experience with him and begin to share it. It is an amazing thing. They become so encouraged. They walk out so pumped. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. We need to share what God's doing in our lives. We also need to make sure that we fill ourselves with the words of Jesus. We need to make sure we're putting God's word in us on purpose simply because it's the truth. Not because we, we understand we're in Christ. We don't have to read this to earn our way into heaven. He's not saying, okay, accept Jesus and read three chapters a day and you're going to be all right. And if you miss, read five extra to catch up on it. And, you know, and then if you miss a whole year, woo, you just need to take some vacation time and you got a lot of reading to do. No, we don't read out of compulsion or out of some religious thing. We read because it's the truth. It's the truth, and it transforms our lives. John 15, 7 says, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. I tell you what, just having our prayers answered because we're praying right, because we know what God actually wants for our lives, that's a pretty incredible reason to, to put the Word of God in us in and of itself. That's not the only, only reason. 1 Corinthians four seventeen says, For this reason I'm sending to you Timothy. My son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord, he will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. As Paul is passing on these teachings of Christ, of the words of God, then he has, is now sending Timothy to shore this up. It's, it's put it in you. It's listen to these teachings that, that connect it and help bring it alive. It's all of these different connections, and we put the word of God within us. Then we also need to live to do the things that Jesus did. God is, brings us here and, and makes us alive in him, not just for our personal benefit, but because we are to, we're Christians, we're little Jesuses, we're God's representatives on this planet, and he wants to express himself, himself through our life. And you're like, well, man, this is... This is a tall order. Ephesians 4, <clears throat> 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I love it. And it shows, you know, of course, God totally understands us. He created us. But for us to be kind and compassionate to one another, as soon as he gives that command, be kind and compassionate to one another, immediately says forgiving each other i tell you what you want to for all your kindness and compassion to get thrown out the window you just have somebody get under your skin a little bit and all of a sudden you know i don't i don't have any compassion or kindness or anything for them and the worse they offend you the more venomous we can become and i'm telling you it's a tough deal and it's to the degree that even as Christ forgave you. Woo, that's a tall order. And sometimes, man, some people are just 
just no way, no other way to put it. They're just jerks. But we just have to learn because Jesus died for that jerk. The jerk that got in it, Jesus died for him and loved him. And, it, and we ought to ultimately go, Ted, burn it, jerk. I want to live with you in heaven forever. How am I going to deal with this? And then begin to process it. And sometimes it just feels too much for us. It's just something we can't do. I love the story of the, the great jazz pianist, George Shearing. And he was born blind, born in the UK, came here and lived in New York and had had an incredible, incredible career. And he is, of course, blind. Well, he's trying to get around in New York. And normally he just depended on the kindness of strangers to get across the street. He was obviously blind. And he was standing on a curb in Manhattan, waiting for somebody to carry him across the street. And nobody was feeling very generous that day. Nobody helped him across the street. Till finally, all of a sudden, he felt a tap on the shoulder. And was like, okay, finally somebody's going to give me a hand. Well, it was another blind man needing a hand across the street. So, George Shearing just did it he just stepped out in the new york street began one blind man leading another blind man across the street and george shearing said it was the most he got the guy to the other side and he said it was the most exhilarating thing he had ever done was be able to give what he so desperately needed himself on a daily basis really us acting in forgiveness is something that's beyond us we have to operate in Christ. And folks, we need to be given it all the time because, believe it or not, sometimes you're the jerk. Sometimes you're somebody's jerk. And you're the one needing the forgiveness. I know you're all angelic. I know you are. And I know it's a stretch to try to believe that sometimes you're the one on the other foot. But it does happen, and it's a thrill, and it should be a thrill for us to give away what we so desperately need ourselves on a regular basis. And, and ultimately, Jesus did a lot of incredible things. Healings, God still wants to heal people today. There's all sorts of wonderful things Jesus did. But the greatest miracle was to bring restoration and salvation. Forgiveness, that was the greatest thing. And we are able to participate in that. Then we need to remember the prize. Oh, sorry, John fifteen twelve. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. We have to be in Christ to do that. To do it like he did it, we can't, we have, there's no way to do it outside. There's just no way. But in Christ, his compassion welling up in our hearts, we can. Remember the prize. Philippians three fourteen says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God called me heavenward in christ jesus paul stayed focused because he knew there was a prize that there wasn't pointless we're not earning salvation but ultimately god does reward us in heaven that's the thing is people read these reward scriptures and think okay well then i earned this no 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 we we receive salvation as a free gift but as we walk in obedience and serve him that does not go unnoticed it does not go unnoticed, and it won't go unnoticed for eternity. And Paul keeps his focus on the prize, that this is just a little window of mortality, and we want to think about the big eternal picture and live for that, and live for that. And last of all, well, not last of all, second of all, the last of all, 
put no confidence in the flesh. Now this flesh word is again is one of these churchy word things. So what does this mean? Well, let's look at Philippians 3.3. And it says, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Anytime we begin to slip out of Christ, especially if we're trying to pursue God, we're still trying to live this religious life, and we slip out of Christ, we are doing this, we're violating this every time. Because at that point, we're trusting in our own righteousness our own good deeds our own little sweet christian spirit our own little all this little nice little churchy stuff that we can do and now we're all good because i'm still being religious but now i've slipped over here and i'm putting confidence in what this stuff flesh can do we stay in christ and we can pursue him when we don't put in confidence in that our confidence is 100 percent in christ and christ alone and then he can do all the works that we were created to do in Christ Jesus. All of that stuff. We do have works to do, but they're in Christ Jesus. We have to stay looking at that. And then last of all, we invest time with others who are in Christ. Colossians 1.28 says, We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ I'm telling you me hanging out with you and you hanging out with me and all the other believers we are helping to bring as we stay focused on our in Christness then we are helping bring perfection to one another it is so important I'm telling you, this truth just helped me so much I knew I knew whenever God was moving on my heart back in my freshman year at ASU that that if I was going to live for him I had to have people in my life that were going that same direction. I had to. And I, and I had to. My, my other group of friends just weren't. They weren't going in that way. And I've, I wish I had developed, you know, I wanted it that way, that all of a sudden I had these new friends and these other ones went away. But I just had to choose. God, I'm going with you. And there was a short, short, short period where I didn't have anybody close to me on either side of the deal but i just would cry it out and i'm telling you god brought people that are still in my life to this day that hone me and bring perfection that lift me up they're there in my toughest times of life that are christ to me on a regular basis i'm telling you those things are so vital we need each other you know, people say, well, I don't, need, I don't need church. Well, maybe you don't need organized churchy religion, but you need other believers. You need them. There's no two ways about it. There's no two ways about it. We desperately need each other. That's why we're the body. We can't be healed alone, disconnected from the body. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 through 14 says, And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things whose churches suffered from the Jews. I love this because here it's you receive it not as from 
from men. You receive it because of what it is. It is the truth from God. But in the very next verse says you're imitators of the churches of God. So what is it? Do we look to men or do we not look to men? No, we receive the truth as from God, but we also imitate those who are allowing that truth to be expressed in their lives. And we imitate that. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. He, we, he loses his right to leadership as f- soon as he quits following Christ. He forfeits it. But as long as he is following Christ, he's like, follow my example. It's cool. You can do that. You can help see how to work these truths out. Sometimes we need a little prodding. I see this truth of how to really love my spouse, but I, I'm struggling with this. Well, then you look to somebody who's living it out, who's making it work, and you begin to learn from them. That's why, again, why we need each other so, so much. See, we have everything when we have Jesus. We have everything when we have Jesus. And that's why we must live in Christ. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that death is letting all the stuff that doesn't bring Christ-likeness into our life, let it slip away. And a lot of times it's painful and it feels like death. Because sometimes we so identify ourselves with it. But we really begin to identify ourselves with Christ. That's why our life really exists. It really lives there. Well, this morning I'd appreciate if everybody would create a quiet moment. Because we want to make sure...